Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Do Business Better podcast. It's me, Damian Mason, but you already knew that when you tuned in because it said so in the introduction. Seth Shackner is my guest today. He runs a company called Strat Americas. Seth is going to talk to us about business development. And frankly, what is business development? All right, let's face it. You're the entrepreneur. You're the wannabe entrepreneur. You run a business. You've got 100 employees. You've got one employee. It does not matter until I said this in my book, until something is sold, you don't have have a business, you have a concept, you have an idea. That was really neat in the dot-com era. If you just said, I'm SethBlueSky.com, you probably could go public for a billion dollars. But in the real world, these, these insane valuations of companies with no sales don't really happen. Business development means developing sales. Seth and I were talking before I hit the record button that the reality is sales is not business development. Business development is not necessarily sales. There's an entire thing that you would call business development. And again, if you don't have it, you don't have a business. Seth, thanks for being here. I, I like it because before we hit record, we already went off on at least nine tangents about these topics. So I like it. You're a person that can go off about this. Maybe you're as ADHD as I am. Thanks for being here. Awesome to be here, Damien. I'm glad, I'm glad we got connected. And yeah, th thanks very much. And, you know, hello to everyone out there listening in. Yeah. Um, listen, I can give you the briefest background if you want, just to start. I, I want to first talk, you want to tell me, yeah, go you ahead. Tell me okay, what, what Strat America is your company? You've had it for 11 years, you said, before hitting the record button. So you came from a corporate background. So kind of take me from corporate to starting your own thing, because sure. that's where a lot of our listeners and viewers are. They, because we release this video, dear listener, if you only listen to it, remember, I have a YouTube channel. It's the Damian Mason channel. Go on YouTube, free, subscribe. You can watch and listen. You can see the great backdrop that Seth has in his office. Corporate to now starting your own thing 11 years ago. Kind of give us the the play-by-play -play without without the total details about all the boardroom discussions. Yeah, no, sure. But can I just, let me just give you what, what Strat Americas is first. Is that okay before we go into the background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Strat Americas, um, it, it's meant to be, it was founded to be a strategic bridge to the Americas because I think uh, I've got a little bit of a unique background. I've got a, a, a heavy degree of exposure to Latin America in addition to our country and North American markets. But it is a business development and partnership consulting enterprise. So I help companies and you know, small, medium, and large develop partnerships, basically. And I do it on a um, retained basis. So I'm, I'm not actually a, working like a sales commission type model or a contingent approach, but, you know, companies find me and say, look, hey, we really want to make some, you know, some steps forward in this business, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, little bit of work, believe it or not, in digital cosmetic subscriptions, lots of background in media entertainment. And I take on clients and help them build those partnerships. And they they can be a lot of different things, basically. But that, it, you know, high level, that that's what it is. I'm based in Los Angeles. Um, and go ahead, go ahead, jump in. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I want to I ask you this. And, and, you know, you worked for enough large companies. We can get into that here in a second. But yeah. one thing that I got smarter a few years into my business, and I've preached this a lot to my clients as well as the listeners, being able to define what your value proposition is in one sentence. And so when you said Strat Americas is, and you talked a lot, do me a favor, 
boil it down, and and I know you can, one sentence. Why do I need Stratamericas? What is the value proposition that you can do boil down in one sentence? It's all about building audience or revenue building partnerships. That's essentially what I do. So you say, if you say your, your value proposition sentence is we help your company organization develop partnerships, whether it's for revenue or it could just be audience building or strategic partnerships. That's what I do. And that encompasses, frankly, there's some sale, there's some marketing, there's some promo, there's some PR, there's a whole hell of a lot of stuff that's encompassed in that sentence. Could be content, intellectual property, licensing, a little bit of work. I don't do a lot of capital raising, but it, it could be something that helps a little bit on that front as well. And then probably the biggest thing for me is um, we can go through the background, but I've been, you know, I don't know if we're a, a similar vintage, but, uh, you know, I, I won't press on, the, on, on any numbers, but, you know, I've been doing this for, I think, 30 years, uh, you know, 20 in corporates. And I want to talk about that because it's not exactly what you think when you say corporate. Um, and then 10 or 11 on my own. So, you know, you do this long enough, you meet people and build relationships and those can kind of get leverage inside of what your consulting practice is. And I think that's a, a huge value out of what I do, actually. When I first got the uh, background on you, I thought you were a younger guy. Uh, oh, but, uh, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm 53. <laughs> to answer your question, I'm 53. I'm guessing you're about right in that range as well. I, I'm a little different. Yeah. I mean, I'm in that general, general range. Yeah. I can remember what, uh, let's say I grew up in Washington, DC when we used to have a baseball team there. How about that? And, uh, you know, and I, I voted, I voted for president Reagan in 1981. Okay. Let me put it to that way. You've got a few, you've got a few years on me. You remember yeah. the first, your first, the first rendition, rendition of what the senators, you, you remember the senators and you remember Reagan, uh, in the first, uh, election. Uh, I, yeah, I do. I, I went to Re- president Reagan's one of his inaugural balls because I was in high school and I got invited. So anyway, and, and I, I I didn't even know what an inaugural ball was. And I, I turned, <laughs> turned the nice lady down who invited me, and my parents slapped me on the head and said, "What are you thinking?" So I I, I did get to do that when I was a senior in high school. Um, anyway. Answer me this, okay? So you worked for large corporations. You've mentioned Sony, and then their their way to go to market they have vast campaigns uh they have vast sums of money to spend on campaigns they can sit in a boardroom and the one thing that i always point out here seth is once you're sitting on the board of some large organization you probably are not you haven't sold a whole hell of a lot lately um you get there because you have esteem uh, uh, from some background some position and I say, you know, the toughest part that I think of when I think about large corporations, why did they come up with asinine ideas? Because there are a bunch of people that nod their head in a boardroom and say, well, that'd be brilliant. And I can go through example after example about bad marketing, bad uh, product launches, whatever, yeah. because a bunch of yes men and yes women sit in a boardroom and agree. And the reality is they've gotten too far removed. Let's bring that same thing to the persons that, that are listening to this podcast. First off, there's a dilemma of having too many people agree with your asinine ideas. That's that I think is death. That's that's the the death knell. Um, and also, uh, staying in touch with what the market needs. You can't develop business until you understand what needs are out there. So, kind of just get your perception on those things. Am I right? No, am I right? Or am I? I don't know. Like I mean, mean uh, there's some. I mean, uh, I'm not going to buy everything you said wholesale respectfully. I mean, there's some things that I, you know. I'd be uncomfortable making a total generalization saying that, but I mean, um, you know, um, I do think it is fair to say the bigger you get, you do get removed. And I, you know, I think, I think, 
I think maybe the, the immediate thing I'd say to you is if, you know, having line experience in an actual business, running a business, being close to the lines is equally, if not more important than sitting in an ivory tower and writing a PowerPoint and, and doing market analyses, basically. So I think there's there's as much wisdom in in the folks who come out of the ivory tower or work at a McKinsey, whatever it might be, you know, and come from the highest levels of the boards to the folks that are running line businesses. I, I will tell you that my corporate experience is actually pretty funny in some respects, because I think it it's it's probably counter to what you're thinking. I, I've always, for the most part, worked in the smallest, most on the ground operating units of the big corporates, the ones that were you're actually doing something. And sometimes those boats get rocked when you go through corporate mergers than I have been comfortable sitting in corporate writing PowerPoints on markets and stuff. So it's nice to have a mix of both. I, I agree with you that you need to have a operating experience and that's what you're saying. But you know, look, um I also think good organizations have nice checks and balances and are in touch with the market and have outside directors and people that, you know, come from all walks. And so I think it's an important to have a mix. I, I, by the way, I do that in my consulting practice. I work with startups to, I've had Microsoft as a client. So the range of stuff. So I, if, that, if that's, if we're on the same page there, okay. No, you said we weren't. You already, you already told me that you disagree with me and you weren't buying my stuff wholesale. So I like That's it. correct. I like that you're actually, I like that you're listening and you're not just sucking up to the host. Answer me yeah. this. Um, we, we posed the question, what is business development? So that's an excellent question. And I'm going to give you an answer that you might think sounds a little corporate, but it means different things to different places, basically. Okay. And let me tell you what my vision of business development, what I do as business developer first. I do partnerships, alliances, content licensing, distribution, um, putting executives in touch with each other, finding ways for corporates to have commercial alliances, small businesses to do that. My background is mostly in business development in the media industry. So it usually means some type of content goes into some type of audience. It could be an app to a mobile carrier. could mean a new music or tech startup wants a license to, to music. Um, it might be outbound licensing for content as well. I actually work with a lot of artists these days, and I, I bring artists into big entertainment apps as well. That's what it means for me. But in general, in my view, business development is an in-house function at a company that involves driving alliances and partnerships. Okay. And that, that, and, that, by the way, that's the part that sounded very corporate-y because but you didn't use the word pivot or stakeholder. Oh, uh, yeah. And you, if you could have gotten in pivot and stakeholder, it would have been right up there. And then by well, the way, me, outside the box thing. Yeah. But let me finish. Cause I know that we're, we're talking to a lot of folks that have, you know, small businesses and so it can mean sales, of course. I mean, what would you want someone like this working if they're not going to produce something? So, of course, it might mean that you're going to build sales or revenue or, or deals or partnerships, basically. It might mean there are some businesses that just want, you know, like audiences to come in, basically. And they want people to come in. There are also others that might want what are called enterprise partnerships. So, so it usually means all those things, okay? What it, to me, I think the big thing that we were chatting on before we got on is there's you know, an enormous distinction between business development and sales, okay? There are different things in my view. Yep. Sales is, there's no right or no wrong, no better, no worse. And sales is usually, you guys know what it is. It's driving transactions that bring in revenue, basically. And sometimes people work on business models that are commission-based, whatever it might be. 
Sales is usually a result of good business development. Let me add for you, just for extra credit, if you will, this is going to sound corporate, so maybe you'll edit it, maybe you'll get ticked off of me, whatever no, it is. No, 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 no. There's, 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 no there's no edits of content on this uh -oh, podcast, okay. only if uh, we have a technical glitch, so trust me. I'm glad, I'm glad I had coffee and a good night's sleep, okay? And my dogs didn't wake me up, but there's a function called corporate development, Okay. And that that's the corporate stuff you're talking about. And, you know, that mostly goes into things like doing mergers, investments, uh, almost like an in-house investment banker. And um, that's not business development, by the way. So that's more on the investment and equity side of the world. That's also not sales as well. Um, you know, so anyway, that's my little view of the landscape. If that helps you, I can't see what you're putting up there. You got to put I'm it. A a I'm taking a picture of what we're doing right here. my friend. Uh, Okay. All right. So, anyway. All right. So I think that, that I want to go back to a number of things here. All right. Business development 100 years ago, 19, it's 1922. This is before the depression. Uh, we're starting to have a technological uh, advance. You know, we got a thing called a car, um, you know, electricity, There's a lot of different things going on. Let's just go back 100 years. 100 years ago, business development, and there's a lot of good stuff going on. I mean, it might compare historically to what's happening now with the technological stuff. And I mean, a lot of, you know, vast um, amounts of uh, big changes, right, in the marketplace. Business development might back then have been, I create this product and then I hire a salesman. Hmm. <laughs> and, and what you said, you said you do with clients now, you team up with an artist who then does licensing rights for maybe their song, their 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 personality, their name, image, and likeness, whatever this should be, and then you're producing content for this company, and then you're getting on digital media, and in other words, it's gotten a lot more complicated, and there are at least a dozen more moving platforms. Parts. Yeah, and platforms. And platforms. Yeah. And if you just said back 100 years ago, hey, you got this product, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to... Um we're going to produce videos about your product. And like, what the hell's a video? Right. I mean, it was it, it, yeah. film. Film was brilliant. We're still doing silent movies. So, I mean, think of what it encompasses now. And it's way different. If you went a hundred years ago, you say, well, that doesn't sound yeah. like that's going to build my business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, it's interesting. I mean, I was thinking about Henry Ford and his network of dealers. And I was thinking about, you know, some really early stage media developments. I don't know what the best analogy is, but I think what you just described is sales though. So that's, that's, I'm trying, I, I do want to draw a distinction. But, 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 again, not, but yeah. I want to say this, but I'm saying that 100 years ago, maybe that's all that market development, maybe that's all that business development was 100 years ago was product and then promoting the product. And now there's, it's kind of the same thing, but business development now has 90 more layers of what that looks like is kind of what I'm saying. Well, so what if you had, you know, like, I don't know, um, let's just say hypothetically, um, you had a Model T and you owned a certain network of deal dealerships, basically, and you wanted to have like a hundred more throughout the country, basically. What if you went out to, you know, the other 90 dealers from, you know, Seattle to Florida to Maine, whatever it might be, to Texas and found ways to get them to sell your cars. It wouldn't be the sale, but it would be the overall partnership with all of those distributors or dealers that would enable the sale. Yep. And that's a rough parallel. In fact, I've done that in, believe it or not, in Latin America with mobile products for the phones, even before the yep. iPhone launched with entities like that, actually. So maybe that's one parallel on it. Okay, so that's that's neat. And now to build that network of dealerships from Seattle to Texas to Florida, as you just described, 
Now there's also the support. And back then they had support also. And it would have been, we provide owner's manuals or we provide um, uh, co-op, co-oping of advertising dollars in your local newspaper, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. But now what we also see, there was pull through marketing back then. And to the person that doesn't maybe have a marketing background, pull through marketing means being in the marketplace so the consumer walks in and demands your product, right? I mean, in a nutshell, is how you, def- you would define it? Pull, yeah, I mean, that sounds correct. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, okay. So ahead. in the old days, pull through marketing meant you, you co opt dollars, uh, your Model T ads in a uh, newspaper in Seattle so that the customer went then to the dealership and said, Yeah, I saw your ads and I want to buy a Model T. Now, okay. now you've got videos from Shakira uh, that pop up on your Facebook feed or yeah, Instagram yeah. Instagram ads. So it's it's evolved and it's more complex, but maybe it's all the same thing as you described. Maybe it's not changed as much as I think it is. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it goes more into like marketing and sales and how those models like have changed over time. I mean, I think. Um, you know, I'm not an advertising expert. It's interesting. I do a lot of my work is sort of on the content side of the world, you know, rather than say doing digital advertising partnerships, if you will. But um, yeah, I do think, I think marketing has, particularly advertising has gotten a, a lot more targeted, you know, and, and the entities that deliver it are, let's face it, it's, it's Google and, and Facebook meta. And then there's a couple others after it, basically, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I do think, you know, the, even the broadcasters and traditional media are probably still the biggest chunk of the money that say Madison Avenue and our biggest brand spend digital media is, is, is dominated by two or three entities. Basically it is a heck of a lot different now and more complex than what, what you described And a lot of it's based on performance advertising or, or different types of cookies and things that can follow you around. If that helps you basically, I don't know if that, but I do think if you're, um, you keep back, you say, if that helps, Helps me. You you don't don't worry about helping me. We're making this enlightening for the person listening to this. So don't worry about listening. Me. Excuse me. Yeah, got it, got it. Now don't worry about that. Cool, got it. And by the way, to, to go back on that, the person that says, "Hey man, I listened to your podcast because I want to build my little business," and uh, your guy Seth just said on the digital format, there's really dominated by three. You're talking about Google, Facebook, and uh, what? Just the others, basically. I yeah, guess right, right. that. Yeah, so, yeah. So essentially, that's all part of But going back to what is business development, you keep talking about creating content. That is not anything that we would have thought of 20 years ago. Right. Certain, not even maybe 10, but for sure as heck, not, not even 20 years ago did we think, you know what business development is? It's Creating content because then somebody's like, you know, what what the hell are you talking about? What what do you mean content? What yeah, yeah. <laughs> I imagine if you're a brand or small business, in addition to just doing the most basic stuff, whether that's buying banners or buying search words on Google, um, or doing doing ads now, not not just on Meta, but you know, there's this juggernaut from you know owned by China called TikTok that that you know is probably the the most hot thing in the market right now. Um, that you can think about ways to create for that, create advertisements. And you may want to call it sponsored content, if you will. I've got a lot of colleagues that do it, actually, even even consultants. And I've even thought about having a TikTok channel. I don't actually have one. But yeah, I think that's part of the advertising and marketing mix that any business, big, medium, or small, would would want to have. Unless, 
unless you're plunking it on Twitter. And that might be a little bit of a concerning battleground these days. But anyway, for sure. I'm sending a picture right now, speaking of content, of you and I uh, recording this because okay. I'm going to put out on my social media format that I've got an interesting dialogue going with this guy named Seth Shackner of Strat America. <laughs> um, give me some more stuff here about... Well, we should talk about me just so people have context because what you're, you're zooming in on some very interesting stuff. Some of it, you know, I'm... Some of it, I'm a terra firma. Some it's pretty slippery ice for me. So at, le- at least let's give our listeners, you know, you know, I, I come out of uh, the media and entertainment industry. Damien was telling me about his awesome background and his agricultural podcasts. Um, you know, I've, I I don't come out of that world. I, I've got a lot of family actually in, in Nebraska and, and love love visiting them, but I don't have that much exposure to uh, to the agricultural industry. So, you know, if, if hopefully, hopefully my perspective gives you some some help somewhere, basically. But I, I've worked in, you know, in, in big technology and entertainment companies, um, mostly in roles. And I'm sure Damien's going to push back on me in what you call business development roles, which is driving partnerships for these companies, usually around the stuff that they own the rights to, which is content in music. It's recorded music. If it's a company like Paramount, it's a motion picture or a film or a video. Um, if it's Microsoft, it's actually different types of enterprise software and services. And I've worked for all of those basically. But um, yeah, I mean, I think if you're in a big place and you own content, you can kind of sit back because you have the rights to the content intellectually. So if let's just say Verizon wants music from Sony Music, they actually have to go to Sony and ask for those rights and, and you know, get a, an intellectual property license to say, put a piece of music on the Verizon network. So it's a little bit of an easier position than, than if you're in another part of the landscape and you need to sell a technology or sell your content for someone to buy it. But um, I've definitely been in roles like that and worked at the uh, kind of the dawn of commercial digital back at a company called AOL in, in the mid 90s. I moved across the country um, back to DC where I grew up and uh, was one of their first business development people driving their that, first for partnerships. The, for, yeah. the, for the person that's under 35 years old, you better tell them that AOL was a technology company that back, back when they were the, they were, that's who you got your, your email from, right? I guess. Yeah. I mean, did, you were talking about stuff that was a hundred years ago. So, yeah. the, you know, the plow and the, and, and, and the printing press, I was joking, but yeah, no, I worked, um, I started here in Los Angeles where I'm based in, um, you know, kind of the most yeoman type roles here at a film studio at, at Fox, crunching numbers on movies that we were going to make, trying to tell our top executives how much we'd have to sell at the theaters and in other markets like home video uh-huh. to break even on all the money we were spending and having to do all these crazy financial models actually sitting in a room in, in, in Fox Plaza, actually. Um, some people might know it as Nakatomi Plaza, I think, from that movie, that Die Hard series. But um, I, I kind of moved away from that into digital in the mid-90s to a company called AOL. And that was... Uh, one of the U.S.'s very first what were called online services. So given given people access to the internet, but also having custom content and areas. I know you love that word now. Message boards, emails, chat rooms, um, really primitive looking stuff that a 35-year-old would probably snicker at and laugh at right now these days, yeah. but which are important steps to getting, getting the development of the commercial internet business going. Crucially important steps. There's no question uh, about that. One thing that I think is good to do, 
uh, someone that's a little more seasoned like you or me, you named a bunch of different roles that you had. And I think that run your own business, go back to the jobs you had and the thing you learned from each of those jobs. And that's what makes you the the successful entrepreneur, business owner today. And again, I think it, anybody that's listening is like, yeah, I got 30 employees. We're, we're doing five times the revenue we did, you know, eight years ago, whatever that thing is. But go back yeah. to it. Because I always look at it, the person that is entrepreneurial minded looks at every job they have as a learning opportunity. Whereas the person that just wants a paycheck to go home, they just go to get their paycheck, go home. Yeah. So, so I want you to give me some of the things uh, when you were at Fox crunching numbers, what did you learn that you never forgot? Um, well, I think I learned, you know, something that I, I was probably incapable of understanding it when I was there. Cause I was, I was too young and immature, but I think, you know, I, I really learned deeply that, um, you know, if you go through something that you don't like doing, in my case, I was sitting in a room. I can't tell you how many financial models I'd run while our executives were off doing whatever they were doing before we made movies with, with actors like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Home Alone, whatever it was, you know, um, I learned to kind of bite the bullet, if you will, and to try and figure out what you can learn, even if the task is brutal and, and unending. And sometimes it seems like we use the word mindless, but I, I learned that um, you can trade that skill for something else, basically. And that's actually what I did in a good way. I moved into my passion's always been music personally. So I, I kind of, leverage that to take a job at another place in music. I, you know, I left Fox and I went to a company that was a universal music group, basically. But I kind of learned from the model different industry verticals, um, the way other industry verticals work, basically. Yeah. If that's, right. yeah. So bring me, okay, another one. I, like I said, I just think that it's always, I can go through every job I've ever had before I started my own business and talk about the lessons. And then I can talk about the lessons running my own business for 30 years. But I think I want to hear from your perspective. You talk about music, it's your passion. You're in it from a different role than the musician it's talk about a brutal a brutal job that you almost we, we joke about starving artists how what's what makes you successful in music my god it's the most one of the most competitive things out there it's worth than comedy and i was in comedy yeah well these days you mean like as a business person or you mean as an artist or just anything let's talk about the or... artist then let's talk about the business as an artist it's it's one in a thousand right yeah. I mean, these days it's very different. It's better to talk about, you know, the, the current landscape now is so different than when I first got into it. It's it's a healthier business, by the way. You know, it, I worked at Sony Music during the era when the house was burning down, unfortunately. So I went through three or four mergers while piracy was destroying our business, basically. And that, you know, and it's 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 recovered and stabilized and is growing to some degree. Um, so it's a much healthier business in part because of streaming, but there's tons of new opportunities in it now. And some of them are real. Some of them are a little bit BS. You know, some of them are, are things that, that um, are still the same, if you will. But, you know, if you're an artist now, I think you have to figure out a smart way to play all the angles and, um, you know, leverage some of these opportunities. And that might be having a TikTok channel. It might be having a live streaming strategy. It might be having a cool space on Twitch where you can get tips and make some money. Um, there's a whole lot of talk around what they call Web3 now, the metaverse. And, you know, there are these things called NFTs that that have been all over the news the last year and a half. It might be able to test some of those and make a little bit of money there. To me, I'm still a traditionalist because there's still big traditional players like record labels and, and big touring companies. And to me, just coming from that background, I think it's important to understand all the basics, how rights work, 
and kind of inform who you partner with around that personally. So, so I, I don't we, believe the world totally changed. Go ahead. Seth, we said, what is business development? And we just talked about, we've gone from everything from AOL to the music business or whatever. Let's go back to, you said, Sony, the house is burned down. All of a sudden, again, let's go. And, and I know you don't like when I go back a long time ago. In the old days, they needed to sign an artist. That artist was out busting their ass to get known. Once that artist got known, then the record label came and signed them. You've got to make eight albums with us. And then essentially they were indentured servants. And the business development really was, we know there's a bunch of desperate artists. We're going to make them indentured servants. And all we got to do is figure out a way to sell records. I'm not being mean here, but isn't that what the music development, business development looked like back in the old days? And now take me no, to tell you. No, 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 you, no, like, no. You, you know what you are? You are a disagreeable little son of a bitch. You like no, disagreeing I'm with me. Not. I'm a really nice guy. I, I mean, look, I think about how- You like disagreeing. No, I don't. No, I don't. I, just want to, I want to just get the truth across, basically. I don't believe what you said about being an indentured. So that's just not so. So let me just go back. But I think I think that there are, um, if, for example, if you're in music right now, you know, you'd want to be, say you're at that label you just mentioned, or you're an artist, it doesn't even matter. You want to have a TikTok presence. You want to know how to make money from that. So that may be selling advertising on your channel. And by the way, that could apply to everyone, whether you're a carpenter or a photographer or whatever it might be. So, so you need a social media strategy, one, you know, and by the way, even back in the day, you know, um, same thing with MTV. You, you know, there's plenty of other things. You want brands to come in and sponsor you, basically. So you'd want to have someone representing you to do that. That can be everything from merchandise to, you know, other forms of media alliances. You know, that that's another piece of it. Um, you want to have a solid touring strategy. You may not actually have that. So you need a partner to do that as well. Um, you know, you'd also want to have like lots of other what are called digital service relationships. You want to be on Apple, on Spotify. You want to have your music to they may not actually be something that you need to go to a record label for if you're an artist these days. So um, there's tons of other things too. You know, you might want to uh, probe around and see if you can get a deal with Peloton or Equinox Health Clubs or, you know, health and wellness. Um, you know, there may be other ways to license and sell your music out to TV advertisements as to, as to radio. That's called sync. So there's a, there's a whole range of stuff that I would call business development. Basically, I will tell you in my experience, I did some very wacky stuff in Latin America that I can tell you I would not have been able to do in this country because there'd be layers and layers of corporates on top of me telling me, no, you know, I created a phone once for Shakira. I did one for Ricky Martin. My team in the region did about 50 versions of this on a less grand level where we put content on phones. We created artist oriented phones and we sold them to big mobile carriers in exchange for big sales of our content and planted onto those phones as well as endorsements as well. Um, we've also put music on things like memory sticks and all sorts of other wacky devices, all, all for sales and, and for money as well. So, and those are, those are just kind of like base level things from the past. You know, if you look now at it, music and entertainment, people are looking at like, all these different artificial intelligence, you know, strategies, the metaverse, like I mentioned, where there's a huge gaming business, you can create a game, it's animated, and there's ways to sell everything from music to pixels inside of it. So that, that that's what it means. It means new business and it's stuff that isn't in part of the core business, um, basically. Can I go back to calling artists for music labels 60 years ago indentured servants without you blowing up on me. okay all right we won't, we won't get onto that here's what i want to point out well you want, you want to go into it or do you want to go ahead 
No, you can't. It's uh, not accurate, by the way. So come on. All right. So here's what I like. Um, <laughs> some people think I'm the Bill O'Reilly of uh, small biz podcasts here. I just, uh-huh. I just I just get people going. All right. Answer me this. You said something, though, that was really neat, though, about the Latin American experience. You took essentially a lot of creativity. And I guess maybe that's where we're going to wrap it up here is on the subject of creativity. Because when I think of business development, I, I've thrown out a bunch of things that used to constitute what companies would have said or were business development. Create the product, go sell it, whatever, whatever. And yeah. now there's a lot more to it. And that's where you're going with this. I think that business development now, there's a great deal more room for creativity to actually pay off. Um, I can develop business where I can create demand for this cell phone you just said by branding it with Ricky Martin. Well, or or some other brand, whatever it might be. Yes. And, and and celebrity branding isn't new. I mean, I'm sure Lucille Ball got paid to, you know, endorse something in the 1950s. But you're talking about, you brought a bunch of things together there. You brought memory sticks to cell phones, to personalities, yeah. to some South American corporation, to all of that. And so Tell I, cell, man, the 80% of that market, so big one. And I think to your point, if I can just jump in a second, that's the most base layer piece of it. I think these days... With all the direct access you just mentioned with digital media between businesses and their clients, I think you can go much deeper. And like, so for example, I've done some stuff with like, there's a cosmetics brand out here I work with for girls called Ipsy. That's a beauty box. Women get it, you know, in their their home once a month. We did a partnership with a major Latin artist out here, Becky G. And um, it's not just like, uh, we want your name and likeness and here's a check and we're going to plunk it on the perfume bottle. This is someone who loves the product and is deeply into it. I mean, I sat with her. I was blown away. She could run a cosmetics company. She's so smart and enterprising. And I think, I think that level of engagement um, really, really helps. So maybe if you're a small business and you're selling, I don't know, tractors, agricultural products, whatever it might be, um, boy, it's got to be a lot more effective these days to have someone who knows the product, loves it, uses it, creates content around it, puts it out through those social channels. And I think that's that's what what we did in some of those phone deals that I just mentioned to you. And that's it's kind of unusual, to be honest with you, at least with music at the time. Um, I think now the social media entities, you know, TikTok, Meta, Snap, enable a lot of individuals, businesses, celebrities, whatever it might be, to do this on their own as well. But anyway. Um, let's say on creativity of business development, there's somebody that's listening to this right now that says, hey, that's all cool, but I'm not Ricky Martin. And um, and I, I, I don't know that anybody's going to, I'm not going to get a million followers on Instagram or watching my TikTok videos when I'm out here. Um, I'm, a, you know, a home remodeler. So, <laughs> so um, Creativity still is there. Obviously, the usage of video and social media. Yeah. Could, could, you could have done that 20 years ago. You can now. But what do you say to them about the creative side? Because it seems like it's still evolving maybe more rapidly than it ever was. And I think that I think it's easier to probably promote yourself now than it used to be. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's any reason why the home developer or the carpeting service or whatever it might be can't develop a unique presence on social media. There's so much, there's less barriers. You can do it on your own now. You don't need to even go through a TV network anymore. And um, so I think that's very legit. I think if you looked at, um, you know, I did a something on TV recently, a comment on TV a lot um, around TikTok advertising when it was first really coming out. I want to say it was around the Super Bowl. I can't remember. 
And there, you know, there are these things that come up on TikTok that users have created. Like there's a hilarious Walmart thing that there's a, a, a flip your lid challenge that I think uh, Chipotle created where users are creating content for it. The brand is, it's fun. And there's no reason why you shouldn't think about that in your business and at least try it basically. So. I, I agree. The tough part is sometimes if you spend too much time on this and you get nothing from it, it's like, why the hell did I bother doing that? So that's the, the challenge, I think, for small business. Yeah, for sure. Seth Shackner, I want to do rapid fire now. Are you ready for rapid fire? And I don't mind. Uh, it, it, I'm uh, doing it. We're going to be done disagreeing. We're all friends here. All right. You've been in your own business for 11 years. What'd you get wrong? What did you do? Once you got started, you're like, oh, crap, I missed this. What'd you do wrong? Um, I probably could have done more like Google search ads and really hardcore like little stuff on, on, on Google trying to pick people up. I never really done a lot of that. When you started your own business, what did you do right? What is the one thing you look back at and you're like, man, I'll tell you one thing I did right. And I'm telling you, whatever it is, what did you do right that you think you look back now and you're really grateful? I really created a cool brand name that people seem to love basically for different reasons. It always It's always funny to me. Uh, so and I've never changed it. And I had people telling me not to do it, but I think it's a cool name. So that that part was right. Your investment, did you have enough money, not enough money? Do you think it mattered? Because there's a lot of people that use money as a reason not to start a new business. Your response to them would be? I, For me, it wasn't the central thing. I know that's probably an unfair thing for everyone, but for me, it was about looking inward and realizing that I had tons of great relationships and that I wasn't exploiting them or using them in a way that was constructive, basically. Hey, you're you're a seasoned veteran. You've got lots of experience. Anything that scared you in the last few years that you thought, oh, my, I'm over my skis? Yeah, I think just that they're, the, the thing that's probably scared me the most is just, um, you know, th there's been a heck of a lot of displacement because of the pandemic, basically. I was going to say that the thing yeah, that got me yeah. scared was that I thought we were going to see such disruption when the businesses, when corporations, when the government said you can't have meetings, for instance, that's the source of my revenue. Then it was the next thing, next thing. So I was going to say that. Uh, yeah. a, book that you have, a book that you have read that you would recommend anytime in your career. I can go back to, I can go back to Millionaire Next Door. I read in 1996. I can go to lots of them. Yeah. Your current book, a book you've read that's influenced you, you would recommend to an entrepreneur. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I love this guy, Don Passman, who taught me a lot about entertainment. You know, he, he's more of a music focused guy. He, he's 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 been an excellent book for me. I think um, the reinvention of you um, from the founder of, of LinkedIn is a good book. And lately I've been reading this book, Matthew Ball, about the metaverse, which I think is probably the best one for people. That's definitely a rapid fire one. There's a lot of personal ones, but I don't know if they'd be helpful to entrepreneurs if you want me to recommend you know, Camus or the Iliad to people, or I always like Franz Kafka, you know, the trial is a good one, but I don't think those are that relevant. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Last, last thing, uh, advice you give, uh, you know, when someone comes to you and this will happen at Thanksgiving, we're recording this right now, Thanksgiving week, it'll be released after sometime over the holidays. Somebody's going to say, Hey, Seth, you got your own business. I'm thinking about doing this. What do you tell them? Network in a really strong way, you know, and, and be yourself, but do, do, you know, do the networking. That's what my business is actually, you know, very core part of what my business is basically. So, so that, that, that's what I tell them. I, I get a lot of young people asking me for jobs and what should they do? And I tell them to do more of this, get on the phone, meet everyone, whether it's Damien or someone in Maine or someone in corporate and ask them to introduce you and get passed along. Basically all the best things for me, at least professionally in jobs have come from that sort of process. 
I like what you say. I've said it all the time. I shot a video three years ago when I was hiking down the mountains behind my house here in Arizona. And I reminded him uh, to anybody that watched my video, every dollar you're going to make for the rest of your career is someone else's dollar right now. And more importantly, opportunities generally are derived through other people. And you can have brilliant ideas. You can be a very hard worker. Those things are all key. You can be smart. That's all key. You can have lots of training. But in general, you must realize that in general, opportunities derived from other people. You would agree with that? For sure. A hundred percent. I mean, this this recl- I mean, this is what we're closing on. We're completely on the same I wanted page. To clo- I wanted to close with something you would actually agree with me about. This was, this was an interesting one, David, because, you know, there was, you know, I, I don't know how, how, how it lands. I'll be interested in seeing it. I hope out there that some people listening found some, some insights in what we said, what I said that was helpful, basically. And you know, that and they did. Yeah, you know that they so. did. If, if they want to look you up to, to learn more or to do business with you, the company is called Strat Americas. You go to strat americas.com or check me out on LinkedIn. I do a lot more on LinkedIn. That's Seth. Shackner, S-C-H-A-C-H-N-E-R on LinkedIn. I'm also at Seth A. Shackner on Twitter. And um, yeah, I hope this was, I hope this was cool. It was, it was an interesting interview. You threw some curveballs at me, man. So I don't know. It's it's good. It's good. Keeping it real. That's what we do here at the Do Business, Bo- do Business Better podcast. His name's Seth Shackner. If you want to find him, you can find him through me. We're going to be connected here on LinkedIn. Strat Americas is the company. He told you where to find them. Till next time, thanks for being here, dear listener. Thanks for being here to agree and disagree with me, Mr. Seth Shackner. Okay, cheers. Have a happy day. Well. the Do Business okay. Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Do Business Better, please share it. And be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear and Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Send us a message. We're always looking for compelling stories and business lessons our listeners can benefit from. Thank you. Thank you.